really excited to be here with Jenny Seeley, Biscuit. Uh, I am Jess Tom, Biscuit, an artist and performer with Tourette's Syndrome. Biscuit, so you're going to hear the words Biscuit and Hedgehog a lot. Biscuit, um, Jenny, thank you so much for joining us for the podcast. Could you start by uh, interest, introducing yourself um, and telling us a little bit about the history of Ray Eye? I am Jenny Seeley. I am Chief Exec and Artistic Director of Grey Eye Theatre. And this month, I have been at Grey Eye for 21 years. Yay! Um, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad <laughs> thing, but I do know that I don't actually want to be anywhere else. Yeah. Grey Eye started nearly 40 years ago because Nabil Chabert wanted to be an actor. And uh, his tutor, Richard Tomlinson, sort of encouraged him to go out and about to become an actor. None of the drama schools would have him. The theatre certainly weren't interested in him. So he stuck two fingers up at the establishment, went to the Arts Council, got a grant and sat up Grayo. That's sort of a very short version. It took a long time to set it up, but thank God he did, because it was the, the first of its kind but the central message of Grace still remains the same. It's profiling the skills, excellence and professionalism of deaf and disabled artists and putting us centre stage. On the stage, at the top, backstage, wherever, <laughs> but we are leading our own narrative. Yes. That's Grey Eye. Yeah, Biscuit. Um, biscuit, Hedgehog. And what does what does Grey Eye mean to you? How did you how did you get involved? Grey Eye means absolutely Everything. Sorry, everything to me. Um, I went for an audition in uh, 1989, 87, 89, I got the dates lifted up. And um, it, it was a room just full of women, just so many women. It's like, oh my God, oh my God. And there was Caroline Parker, definitely with a blend of colour and brown flippers because we had to take something with us, an object. Uh, but it was just this multitude of women and nobody apologised then mm-hmm. for their physical difference, their impairments, communication difference. And it was the first time in my entire life, at the age of 24, I think I was, I said, I'm Jenny and I'm deaf. And suddenly, boom, I belonged. And it yeah. was, yes! Yeah. So that was, that was me as an actor. Yeah. Um, we, I had a, the biscuit. biggest learning learning curve in my entire life doing a grey eye tour <laughs> I thought if I could do a grey eye tour I could do anything but what it meant was actually before four actors we really had to be so tight with each mm-hmm. other to support each other and that's very very linked to the grey eye story mm-hmm. the three grey eye sisters who shed a, 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 an iron tooth mm-hmm. you know show what you have and you back each other up mm-hmm. And I hope that that is also still central to the ethos of how I like to work as a director mm. when I came back all those years later. Mm. Yeah, 21 Biscuit. years later. And you must, Biscuit, you must see that journey reflected in other younger disabled people coming into the profession now and coming into spaces like Bright Eye. I really, really can. I can see with our ensemble, just see them relinquish... Um, that they're, they're, it feels like they've been holding on and, and hiding being disabled and Fair. being being other and just letting that just go mm. and redefining and refinding themselves. 
And that journey is just, it's quite an emotional roller coaster. Mm. You see them just fighting with themselves and just readapting. <laughs> and then that moment when they just, boom, mm. they own them. Can you tell us a little more, a little bit more about the the different programs and projects and how Gwei works? The company is much more than just theatre. I mean, I think there's such a huge amount of activism that goes on, especially in the light of all the cuts mm-hmm. um, to the independent living fund, access to work. So one of the things we've created was a verbatim piece called Sewing, yeah, which highlights those very issues. So that's sort of like ongoing because mm-hmm. the political situation is not going to change it's getting yeah. worse we've got the most extraordinary right to play scheme which is mm-hmm. now in year six mm-hmm. we've worked in the northwest the northeast um, the midlands and now we're working down in the southwest mm-hmm. it's developing a cohort of in each region five deaf and disabled writers mm-hmm. completely mentored and completely linked with the main regional theatres in those regions mm-hmm. the idea is that we develop, we nurture, we give uh, play readings, we have miniatures, which they, they do a monologue, then we need to do with the duologue, and then they write their full-length play, which mm-hmm. we have a reading of. Mm-hmm. But the idea is that those theatres capture those writers and then take them on to the next phase of their mm-hmm. journey. Because Gray has two weeks to do mm-hmm. that. So it's been an amazing project, and we have a wealth of really quite extraordinary writers. Mm-hmm. We've got our... Ensemble, mm-hmm. it's the hardest age group, 18 to 25, the mm-hmm. hardest age group to get money for. Mm-hmm. And that's the age when so many deaf and disabled fall off. Yeah. You know, the end, end of full-time education, don't go to, don't have the road or to go to university, drama schools are not interested. So they, there's a real lack of provision. Mm-hmm. So we are trying to, trying to fundraise so that we could do the next one in 2020. Mm-hmm. But that's the really, really important part of our work. And then Jodie, who runs runs our education, she's director training and learning. I mean, my gosh, she's extraordinary. She's got about a million different projects. So she does ensemble, she does all the workshops that are connected to any major production. She also runs the Rolex, which are our little ones. Mm-hmm. Um, we used to have a, a wheelchair, power chair troupe called the Rhinestone Rovers. <laughs> and um, on the back of that, some of the younger ones wanted to join it, so they got called the Rolettes. So yeah. that name is stuck. Yeah. But they are actually our young ambassadors, our advisors. Yeah. Um, we had play labs, so anybody can pitch and they have one or two days for, with some money attached to it to just develop an idea that they want to, they've been thinking mm-hmm. about and we can find the right artist to collaborate or they come with the artist they want to work with. Um, what else do we do? We do circus training. We, I mean, we just do <laughs> a lot of stuff. Biscuit and productions. And you do... Oh, yes. We do... Um, we do a lot of co-productions. Mm-hmm. And over the last year, we've been co-producing our Reasons for Cheerful, which are Ian Jury, Big Punk, Rockfest, which I love doing. I'd love to do it again and again and again if we could. Um, we've just been collaborating with 1480 now, uh, World War I mm-hmm. uh with Blesma, British Limitless Ex-Service Men Association, and the Gulbeckin to do a big um, outdoor piece called This Is Not For You, with 25 wounded veterans mm-hmm. and five professional performers, plus a choir, plus opera. 
plus stuff. But part of that training was storytelling training mm-hmm. for those veterans who, um, for whatever reason, don't have the physical core to be able to do aerial work. Mm-hmm. For those who did, most of them were amputees. They had circus training, mm-hmm. and then we matched the whole thing together. Mm-hmm. Two weeks rehearsal. Wow. <laughs> I mean, I would never do that again, but we did it. We did it in two weeks. And the learning for the company has been so profound. And mm-hmm. I think also the learning for the veterans has been really profound. Mm-hmm. And some of them are saying, Jenny, what am I doing this for? I don't like doing this. To a complete turnaround three weeks later, would you do it again? In a heartbeat, I'm mm-hmm. again. Mm-hmm. So it's also about putting us, people who don't think of themselves as artists. Yes. Yeah. Really pushing them to rethink that. Yeah. It's because in my mind, everyone is an artist. Yeah. So I do productions, um, we do radio. <laughs> That's been a new thing. Yeah. Okay. Radio for commission Midwich Cookers last year. Yeah. Punch back of Notch Darmy a few years before. Um this year we're doing Little Dorrit. And next year we're doing uh Check of Three Sisters. I mean, it's, wow. Uh, I love the whole thing. Biscuit. No, Deaf Girl does radio. I mean, I direct it, but I can't hear it. <laughs> so it's, it feels a bit weird, but that's all right. It's great. Right. It's great. Um, you talked about writers and nurturing new writing talent. Is there a story that you found and just that was really important to you, or what's like the, the story that's really captured your imagination? Or is there too many to? <laughs> I mean, there's so many, so many things that I would like to be able to do with grey eye. If money was no object. I think as a company we have a responsibility to just close disabled people into uh, an accident narrative like Bernarda Alba. Mm-hmm. But all the cast, all the women in Bernarda Alba were disabled women. Mm-hmm. So it shifts it shifts and intensifies mm. what the message that play is about. Mm-hmm. And it also, for in that particular play, allows us to play within, within the hierarchy of disability, yeah. and the hierarchy of deafness, and all the rest of it. So it adds extra flesh and meat and mm. stuff. So that's a really important part. But also there's there's a new work where, you know, like this has got a few telling the story and wounded veterans who coming back feels like it, it's better to come back dead than it is to come back disabled. So there's a, the, the disabilities that are stories about being disabled people in the world that we live in mm-hmm. and other narratives. And I've just had a meeting mm-hmm. today about looking at Lady Shatterley's letter. So, is that something that it, I would be interested in? I said, well, it's just, it's just about... You know, one man's experience, but does it have that? Can we adapt it? Can we, we can we flush it out? Can we think mm-hmm. about what is um, the experience of you know men who become disabled who might not be able to have penetrative sex? What's all? What's all that? What's the different sort of sensuality? How do mm-hmm. we put that? Put that on the stage? What are the politics around that? Mm-hmm. So then I start thinking, oh, actually, <laughs> no, this isn't. This isn't interesting. I don't think that's a groundbreaking or taboo breaking, but all that stuff still needs more investigation and highlighting because there's still a million different assumptions around disability and sex. Yeah, yes. Biscuit, I think one of my favourite quotes that I've seen from you ever, and I might misquote you, but I think it really really hit me and stayed in my mind, was a quote... um, 
that you said Shakespeare didn't didn't specify whether uh, Juliet was or was not a wheelchair user or whether Horatio had a differing speech pattern. Um, and so that idea that seems central to Grey Eye, which is placing disabled people at the heart of stories, some of which that are about disability, many of which aren't directly uh, uh, about that. Um, well, I think that, you know, it's about for all so, of us doing the work that we do, it's just trying to gently nudge <laughs> an audience, you know, that we are fully fledged, three-dimensional human beings. Yeah. And uh Get over it, really. <laughs> um, can you describe um, Grey Eye's approach to integrating access? Because that's one of the things that has felt like it's been really groundbreaking uh, within the work that Grey Eye does. I think it starts, anything starts from the inside out. Well, I mm-hmm. think that's what, um, you know, I have many, many meetings with people that say, oh, how to do it, what do you want to do? But they're coming from the outside. Mm-hmm. What we've done is got messy, got mm-hmm. really messy. And, you know, so there's a multiple of choices, certainly now with new technology. Mm. But it's, it's still that same thought process, what serves the right of the play? Mm-hmm. Then you have to go back and think, does this also serve the right of access for the audience? Mm -hmm. And if it's too compromised, you have to then rework some of it. And that sometimes can get messy. Mm -hmm. And that's sometimes where it all falls down the the swanny. The way I I don't think we've ever, ever made 100% fully glorious (laughs) accessible play. We haven't done it yet. Yeah. But, and in the same frame, you know, some plays allow themselves to be naturally audio-described. Yeah. Some are more better in the ear. Yeah. Reasons for Cheerful was in the ear. You know, in the 1970s payphone with our guy Pickles chatting to blind audiences and other cast members would come up during the show and have a little chat with blind Derek. Yeah. So I remember Amina Cavallo just laughing out loud because what Pickers was saying down the phone, <laughs> only a blind audience would get, not yeah, a yeah, yeah. sighted audience. Yeah. I quite like that when you play Maverick with your audience. Some get it, some don't. People get different things at different times. It's about, but what is important? It's about the experience of the audience. They feel like they have equality yeah. and they feel like they have ownership over the whole piece. Yeah. Does that make sense? It absolutely makes, it makes so much sense. Um, what biscuit? What do you think? What are the most important things you've l- learnt as an artistic uh, director? Be kind. Mm. Be kind. Um, be patient. Mm-hmm. Um, don't don't take no. Mm-hmm. no. There's been so many people that oh no, Danny can't possibly do that. You can't do that. I thought, hello. <laughs> That's like, you know, a red rag to a bull. Yeah. If someone says you can't do it, then I'm doing it. <laughs> yes, I, I, I know that. In terms of actors, there's so many directors, or there's so many people that would like, like to break down actors and then build them back up. Yeah. I don't like that. I rather encouragement, positivity. I try to create an ensemble. I think that's the, the learning mm. is... Ego is important if it means, you know, uh, engaging, Fair. generosity and openness. Not if it's, you know, mm. this sort of greed and mm. opportunities. Ego mm. has to mean the right thing if you want to be my part of Grey Eye. Mm. And sometimes I don't always get the best actor. Fair. 
but I get the best team player. Yeah. And I think that's really, really important. And as a chief executive over the whole organisation, I think trust is fundamental. Mm. My team are phenomenal. Mm. Uh, they, they know, and I let, I let them lead a fair bit. I let mm. them get on with it. Mm. I do feel very blessed because over this last summer, they have worked over the odds to mm. make this as not a few happen because it's been a real test in terms of our understanding of the wider scope of accessibility in terms of access to physically to be present to make the work. Yeah. Because of a range of real PTSD, um, different physicalities, different stump issues. Mm. It's like, wow. And people overheating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and P- PTSD. I, I, I am learning, Jess. I am learning. Uh, I don't. I. I don't know anything. <laughs> else. I don't know what it means to be an artist director. All I know is about us all working together to keep being truthful yeah. to our mission. Yeah, yeah. And when and when you say PTSD, that's post traumatic stress disorder and um, biscuit. And I suppose that yeah. In, yeah. that is that. I think it's very easy as a society to have a very narrow view of what disability looks like, what disabling barriers are. Um, and I think what's really exciting about companies like GreyEye um, is the really broad range of impairments and not uh, like working with a really broad range of people. And so presenting that very diverse experience of disability, but often that sense of that sort of exclusion that we feel can actually feel very similar. So it's like you can have people with very different different impairments, very different bodies, but actually some of those experiences sometimes overlap. Fat. And it's, I think the one thing is, fat biggest learning is never assume. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And never sit on your family and rest on your laurels. <laughs> because after 2012, doing yeah. the Paralympic opening zone, people say, oh, you could do anything. It's like, no, you are as good as your last show. Mm-hmm. You can't just assume you're like, no, oh, yeah, I've done a big show, I know it all now. No, I really don't. Mm-hmm. Now, the detail that goes into doing uh, a show for 10 people is the same as doing a show for 10,000 people. Mm-hmm. It's about that, that commitment, that detail, and that passion that works both ways. Yeah. But if you, you get it wrong one show, like you have to like, pick yourself up and go, oh, God, right, didn't that didn't go well, did it? <laughs> right, on to the next one. Yeah. You have to sort of have, my skin is not as thick as I would like it to be after 20 mm. years, it's still a bit gossamer. But one day. Biscuit, <laughs> and has there been a space, a performer, a venue, a story that's really surprised you? Oh, I've got millions of examples. <laughs> You know, I think when we mm-hmm. did our first ever Reasons to be Cheerful, none of us knew whether it would work, but all these suit and ties were coming on. Oh, my God, it's not paper suit and ties. <laughs> but as a showwriter, all they loosened their ties and loosened their, took their jackets off. Of course, they were the original punks. Yeah. How, how do I do? Just because they got a suit and tie, <laughs> yeah. then the, you know, the inner punk's not still there. Yeah. That was an eye-opener. Yeah. I think it's about... The playfulness and the space mm-hmm. that we try to create to yeah. enable someone to find their potential. And this one young man, Fra- Stephen Bance, double amputee, arrived at 2012 for rehearsals, um, the circus chain. Fra- 
He wouldn't let any ministry of sex doors wall on Jackie Bottoms. He wouldn't take his legs off to go on the trapeze. The older vet- veterans would take their legs off or older artists or over their body. He would faint. And then one day he came in with shorts on. Look, David's got shorts on. They've got shorts on. Spread out. And then, David's taken his legs off. He's on the trapeze now, his legs. And just seeing him just go... It's all right to be me. Yeah. I'm buying some swimming legs, taking his kids swimming, stop being embarrassed by the burns on his body from his meningitis. Suddenly there's a whole new, it's like a cocoon, um, cocoon, this butterfly, splendid butterfly emerged. Mm. He's still that man. So it's, it's those stories like that. I remember the veterans, one of them, they're not fat artists, as it were, but I said to him, you need to take your jacket off now because of the heat. She said, no, Jenny, I'm not taking my jacket off now. I'm thinking about the narrative. The narrative is I come home from war, we have the drinking song, and then I meet my wife. I will have my uniform when I meet my wife. Come out. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Oh, right, you have to way ahead of me. <laughs> thinking like an artist. Yeah. So, I mean, I've been like, a blessed with so many glorious relationships with artists and venues, new rules have been one particular one that's been supportive for a lot a long time and theatre of Stratford. Yeah. That will always have a home because so Chloe Michael was one of the first directors to say, Dan, what do you want to do? Mm-hmm. You know, when I went to him for the reasons he didn't want to take over, he just let me be the lead artist. Yeah. Which was really eternally grateful to him mm. he trusts me so that's been a journey you know getting these people to think you know this deaf being she can do this yeah yeah yeah, yeah it's bloody hard work I still have to prove myself yeah you know, there's still a level of distrust about what can these yeah. people do what can they achieve yeah and do you, do you get a sense that that's that's moving at all that power is shifting at all and that places are opening up or is it very? Is actually very similar to when you first got involved with Grey Eye. It's, it's, it's shifting. I mean, I think Unlimited has been amazing. Mm-hmm. I think Rams on the Moon is really mm-hmm. shifting. But what we still need to make sure is that we are we are the narrators of our destiny. Yeah. It would be very easy for the non-disabled world just to colonise everything that we've been working towards Mm -hmm. and make it their own and then it gets institutionalised stamp of approval. You must feel that in your work. We have to sort of like hang on to be leading. Yeah. And I think that's the only thing. It's exactly the same thing that happened within the black community. You know, they felt like suddenly everything was just being taken away from all the stuff that they fought for. Mm-hmm. Certainly, turned, certainly in terms of leadership. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I remember talking to Kwame about that, who's mm-hmm. now the director of the Anvik. Mm-hmm. So we just need to be careful and, you know, make sure we don't get taken over. Hold space. <laughs> so does that make sense? Though? Yeah, it does. It absolutely does. Drama schools are starting to get it. So the world is looking a lot rosier, mm-hmm. but then we've got the double whammy of mm-hmm. uh, the government cuts to access to work and all that. Yeah. So it's like, oh my god, <laughs> it's just, it, we're caught, we're Biscuit. caught up in it all. Biscuit. And Biscuit. and so Un- unlimited is the commissioning scheme that um, champions uh, high quality work by deaf and disabled artists. Um, could you tell us more about ramps on the moon and? Uh, how that works and how that how how that's working with venues. 
Ramesh on the moment is a consortium of Nottingham Playhouse, West Yorkshire Playhouse, Birmingham Rep, Fitzroy Stratford, New Walls of Theatre. Mm-hmm. Oh, Sheffield Theatres. And uh, it's for the, the non-disabled artist directors of those organisations to start to normalise the inclusion of deaf and disabled people in those venues. It's that sort of an issue. Mm-hmm. Grey Eye is obviously the ground advocate of all mm-hmm. of this. So the idea is, it came from when we did Reasons, and then we did Stephanie Opera, mm-hmm. we did Woolsey, and we went to all those venues, and then Sarah Holmes, who was the driving force of ramps, said, why don't we have something that means we could do one big show every year, yeah. which is really inclusive. But those theatres are also now taking on responsibilities, it's not just to have that one big show inclusive. They really are starting to think about all their players mm-hmm. having deaf and disabled cast members. Yeah. So it's opening up very, very wide doors. Is your experience that once you once you start sort of nudging your way in and that people feel more comfortable and less fearful of deaf and disabled people's bodies uh, and requirements, that that then opens up like you can nudge your way in. I think the nudging is a really nice way of putting it. I mean, it's also within theatre, mm-hmm. everyone likes to be get there first, so there's a lot of nudging going on, but also it's in that healthy spectrum of the competitiveness of theatre, what you yeah. see to get there first. Yeah. So we talk biscuit, I think maybe we should talk about access to work and the independent living fund and the, the sort of climate um, that we are both making work in and that Grey Eye is operating in. Um, can you do you want to explain a bit about what access to work is and the uh, and the shift that it has meant for disabled artists? Access to work was and that could still be the best government scheme which allows access to work. So it means I've got Jude down here in the room, she's my interpreter, <laughs> you've got your PA, we have our access support enabling us to fit here. Yeah. Brilliant. Yes. Um and during 2012, because I have so many disabled people in our training course, I'm 44 deaf and disabled people, I have a team of about nine interpreters, access support workers, but the access to work team came to see what the work was, mm-hmm. so they finally got it. Yes. They got yes. what they were, we were applying for. Yeah. And that hasn't really happened since, because the government has just cut it, cut it, cut it, cut it. Mm-hmm. And the deaf people... Because sign language interpreters are they're trained for seven years. Mm-hmm. You know, the skill is extraordinary. Mm-hmm. They normally work in pairs of it, so it's a whole day conference. You have to have to mm-hmm. the amount of processing that the brain mm-hmm. has to do to deliver full equality for the deaf person. Um they are more expensive. Mm-hmm. So deaf people are really, really suffering. Mm-hmm. The government put a cap on of 41,000, that's now been changed to 57,000. Because of my job and the diversity of work and also the internationalism mm. of what I do, um, I, I am over 57,000 pounds mm. worth. So, I mean, I'm having to, I've got a midway meeting, I've already used most of my year. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what we're going to do. <laughs> uh, so it's really, I am really having to censor mm-hmm. what I take on. So, so if I'm having a day of meetings, that's great. That I fat Jude for a whole day or two interpreters there, not not one to one meetings like at this meeting. Mm-hmm. 
but if it's um, just one off, one hour here, there, and I I can't do it. Mm-hmm. So I don't go. Mm-hmm. And I think the most important thing for deaf and disabled artists or anybody deaf and disabled people working is that visibility in the mm-hmm. workplace. Because mm. that means that's how people will remain in people's consciousness. Mm. So the government, they want us to work, but they are taking away their money to enable us to work. We will become invisible, mm. and that terrifies me. Yeah. It's so prohibitive, it's yeah. so damaging. Yeah. I'm independent living, but don't get me started on that. And the whole PIP, yeah. personal, what is it, personal, personal independent, independent pay- payments. The, the, the questioning and the inquiry and the interrogation. Are you really disabled? Can you walk that far? Oh, you can walk that far. Yes, I can walk that far now. But I'm not sure if I can walk that Oh, really? Oh, I mean, the stories we have heard. Mm. Mm. It's, it's just stripping dignity and human rights. So I think the government needs to be hauled up to court for this. Mm. It's horrendous. And it... it it's a weird one because in you know, one way, you know, the theatre so, opens their doors, mm-hmm. but they won't open their doors very wide anymore. It become at such a cost. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Grey Eye has, um, we have a third of our grant from the Arts Council. We spend on unreclaimable access mm-hmm. for our Rolex, for all the training yeah. we have to pay for it. Yeah, not very many other companies will do that. Yeah, yeah. And it must be incredibly frustrating for you to go from a situation where you, you've seen not having a scheme like Access to Work, you've then experienced it when it was based on people's requirements and therefore was levelling the playing field and equalising access. It must be incredibly frustrating to see that being capped and to see your career capped and the sort of ambition and careers of people around you also capped because similarly to you, I have to make decisions about what work I take on based on whether I can afford it from an access point of view. And that is, that's not a level playing field. It does make me feel, um, makes me feel dirty. I can't think of another word. I, do, I have cried in so many board meetings. Um, you know, I'm battling, do I go down three days a week? What, what, I just, it's just unbelievable. You know, after 2012, for deaf and disabled people, we had no fantastic ceremony, we had the sport, was amazing, we had unlimited, which was extraordinary, we were, wow, we were sexy and desirable (laughs) and mega, and then, boom, we plummeted, and I never expected that crowd to be Mm. as speed as it was, it was horrendous. And I still think we're still trying to pick up ourselves mm-hmm. ready for the next onslaught. We will still have to carry on fighting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and what what role does creativity play in your life? Like, and how, like, I certainly find it protective in some ways in terms of the sort of my precariousness as a disabled person, but what role does it play in your life? I think it's everything, really. I can't, that's a really interesting question. Um, it's, it's one of those things, because there is so much administration in my job, and I am quite a good desk-based uh, artistic director, because I like Fact. being in the office. And then so sometimes I think, oh my God, I've been so by desk and funding mm. applications or whatever. I have, well, oh, have I got any artistic thoughts in my head? <laughs> 
And then we start talking about a new play or, or something. It has to be bubbling as it all, oh God, it's still there. But creativity is only factored really by other being with other people. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't sit down and think, oh, I'm a lovely creative person. Yeah. But when I'm with other people, I love how they pull it out of me. Yeah. And that's what I love being with actors and writers. Yeah. They say something, they just, they just light all these fires in. I'm like, oh my God, oh my God. Yeah. Oh, yes, we could do that, we could do that. Biscuit. Um, but when I just look around people who have just suppressed their creativity mm-hmm. or don't think they're creative, yeah. it breaks me really because yeah. I think everyone is. But that's yeah. another thing that government are doing dumping art, drama, music, mm-hmm. all the rest of it in school. It's fundamental to be human. Yeah. To be a creative. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. What's coming up for Grey Eye? What's on the horizon? What's on the horizon? <laughs> well, um, I'm praying that a stork will arrive with a million pounds attached to his feet and drop on the roof of the Grey Eye building. Because <laughs> I think it's a really important part. I think we should be part of the November, November <laughs> Remembrance. I really want that to happen. Um, I'm off to Japan to start building a seed bedding, uh, a, 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 something that's inspired by the Tempest. And I want that to be an international project with all the disabled artists I've worked in all the different countries. God knows whether it'll work or not, <laughs> but I want to try and make that work. And um, Grey Eye is a resident artist of the Fact. International Festival Multi Kings. Mm-hmm. And we've just commissioned a new opera. So stuff, really. It's, it seems like you're really skilled at identifying the sort of talents or skills that you need from whether that's from actors or whether that's from partners, but like really good at finding collaborators and putting them together. And you think that that's do you think that's an important skill that you have as an I, artistic? I do love that. I'm nosy. Mm-hmm. I'm very nosy, and I think that really helps. Yeah, and. Um, I also, I asked, you know, I went to Rufus Doris and said, please do take the solid type of sugar water. It's got fantastic reviews in Edinburgh. Uh, he went, yeah. I thought, oh my God, brilliant. That's how you did it. So, you know, <laughs> that's how I did it. And I said, if you take reasons for cheerful, I went, no. Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> but yeah, ask, I think you have to be direct. They read the live too short. Yeah. People can only say no. Yeah. Um, Solid Life of Sugar Water was the first play that I ever went to see at the National Theatre. I hadn't been there as an audience member at Biscuit. I'm still very careful about where I go and about how I go. And I felt, you know, there I think, Biscuit, you know, having Tourette's means that I feel like I don't always belong in those spaces. Um, and it was amazing to go and feel like I definitely belonged and to see stories that I, and characters that I could relate to in a place like that. Uh, it's a, it's a, it was a brilliant piece of theatre. By my lovely Amit Sharma. Oh, a good director. Biscuit. Um, Biscuit, what, what do you think the challenges are facing the sector from your perspective? Well, it's going to be economic. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, standstill Biscuit. funding with um, cuts to access to work certainly is very damaging for a company like Gwaya, we've got to try and find other sources of money, but everyone, mm-hmm. everyone is fighting for the same pots of money. Mm-hmm. And how do you say, you're, how do you say, oh, we, we're unique? There's no, 
It's quite high as unique sort of, but not as unique as it was because mm-hmm. loads of other campuses were spawned and grown and developed, which is brilliant. Mm-hmm. There's plenty of space for all of us. Um, I mean, I think that's why, uh, you know, the book, the, the Grey Eye book, mm-hmm. Reasons for Grey Eye, Reasons to be Grey Eye, uh, a work in progress, feels mm-hmm. very important because I think the challenge for Grey Eye is to be brave enough so to recognise when we find ourselves by date. Mm-hmm. I don't think we're there yet, mm-hmm. but maybe there will become a time because of all the advocacy that we're all doing, you mm-hmm. included, you know, all of us, all the disability arts, we really are fighting for access to the wider world. And once mm-hmm. we've got that, mm-hmm. you know, we've, we've done what we said we would do. I said mm-hmm. to a company like Gwaii, will the Arts Council think the work's being done by Gwaii now, everyone's inclusive and singing, dancing, brilliant, so boom, let's close the company. It may happen. Mm-hmm. So that's, I think that's the challenge, mm-hmm. to keep keep testing new ground, mm-hmm. being as creative as we possibly can, mm-hmm. but like I said, to recognise if we can pass ourselves by day. Yeah, I don't want that to happen. I do, but I don't <laughs> it's, it's a weird, It's a weird situation to be in, to really really passionately want that change so that it is available to everybody and that it is where it's deeply embedded in mainstream venues but also knowing and feeling how important it is to have spaces where you feel understood and where you feel a sense of solidarity um biscuit no i was the only one at middle sex poly i was completely isolated you know, I didn't know my backside to my elbow. I was so on my own. I'd do all the study on my own in the library. Thank God it was a practical course. I did dancing. Fair. But, you know, when I look at all the ensemble, like, they've got each other. They can just be mm. as deaf and disabled people. They are. They don't have to apologise for anything. No. Mm-hmm. So I think there will always be that need to have mm. that same space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What, what advice do you have for disabled people looking... For a career in theatre. Come and see me. Yeah. <laughs> Come to Grey Eye. Go and see lots of theatre. Go to your local youth theatre. Yeah. It's not accessible. Or they uh, you know, physically accessible. That's usually you can work around that somewhere along the line. But if the attitude is pants, then come and see me <laughs> and I will have a word. Yeah. But come come to us. We mean we what we can do and what we are so generous with our time at Brown is trying to support and signpost people yeah. in the right direction. We are quite an extraordinary community of people yes. and yeah. hold a lot of wealth between us all, don't we? And that really needs to be dis- distributed. It does feel like there's a real generosity with knowledge and skill within within that sector and certainly I know that I've benefited like hugely from 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 your support at a point where I was just making that step onto the stage, roll up the ramp onto the stage, um, and so I will always be very grateful for Grey Eyes and your support with that. Um, Grey Eyes are a remarkable company, and it's um, I'm very glad it exists. It is a remarkable <laughs> company, and I'm so privileged, so lucky mm. to work for Grey Eyes.
Thank you so much, Jenny, for speaking to me today, Biscuit, and to everyone for listening. Biscuit, if you want to keep up to date with all the wonderful work done by Grey Eye, um, then follow them on the Stage Door app. Biscuit, thanks again to Jenny, Biscuit, uh, and to Jude, who has been uh, the British Sign Language interpreter today, um, and also to my PA, Debbie. Thank you so much. Yay! Thank you. Thank you.